Welcome to Big Fan Podcast. If we're meeting for the first time, my name is Kevin, the creator. And today we have guest Corey. Uh, Corey, uh, could you introduce yourself for the audience? Yeah, my name is Corey Hampton. Uh, I am a formal, I was formerly a therapist. I just recently got out of the world, but uh, I went to school for therapy for about seven years. So, yeah. Uh, and uh, where were you born? I was born uh, here in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, as we come. And how old are you? I am 38. 38. feel like I'm 68, but I'm 38. Okay. And uh, I mean, basically, like we've had conversations and you've had a bit of a crazy life. I have. Yeah. And uh I mean like like people so you were a therapist, right? And you went to school for seven years to Yeah, so went to a couple different colleges to work my way up to my master's to become a therapist. And what got you into that? Uh just all my life, I, I wanted to help people. Um, I felt like as a little kid, I, you know, I didn't feel like I got the help that I needed. And so I wanted to help people in any way I could. So do you, do you still feel like uh, therapy is good for people? Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you take advantage of it and if you don't, then it's pointless. Mm -hmm. Cause they say like, there's a, there's like a couple ways like uh, people could use like therapy kind of uh, tools. Like one is like journaling. The other one's like talking to a therapist, like talking to somebody like one-on-one. -on -one. And I guess like the other one would be uh, like talking in groups. Yeah. So group groups gives you that, that common bond uh, that's beneficial. So, you know, th they have grieving groups and things like that. Um, but one of the big groups that everybody knows of is AA. Um, you know, but there's other fellowships uh, within the what they call the 12 step groups, um, you know, and there's all types of recovery. Um, N.A., uh, C.A. Yeah. Um, there's also some uh, in Springfield, we have a recovery center. So like even cities, some cities have centers that are dedicated to, to help people with recovery. And you can just come in and they have meetings and sometimes they have activities going on and stuff like that. And then with therapy, the great thing about therapy is where like if you feel uncomfortable, you can that's the person you can be a hundred percent honest with and tell your deepest, darkest stuff to because they can't tell anybody. You know, they're sworn to secrecy unless you're gonna harm yourself or somebody else. But besides that, if I already harmed somebody else. I could tell them that shit, mm -hmm. so, you know, because if I'm not going to do it again, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. You can tell them anything as long as you're not to do it. That was like the key, the key note in uh, the, the TV series of Sopranos, you know, big mob boss, but he's going to therapy and I was a big fan of that show <laughs> back in the days, but yeah. Uh, so you were telling me there's 11, uh, 
the pressure. It, it, yeah, it was 11 out of nine. Uh, uh, could, could you refresh my memory on that? Oh, it, it was a thing that one of my professors talked about, about how there's 11 things that they found that cause depression. And they say nine of those are curable without medication. And there's a lot of us that take medications for depression where if we would just work on things, things would get better for us and we would never need the medication. And we're stuck usually. Hmm. Yeah, because that seems to be one of the the many uh, answers would be uh, medicating people, but that doesn't solve the, it's not a remedy for their depression. No, it, it, it isn't. And the, the thing is, the you know, if we have physical problems, we work out to try to fix that, you know, mobility, we stretch it out. And if we have mental problems, we need to work those out too, just like we do physical problems. So have you ever dealed with the uh, depression? Uh, yeah, of course. Everybody has, uh, you know, and I would say everybody's dealt with some sort of depression. Is it clinically depressed? Who knows? Um, but yeah, of course. And like the things that they tell you to, to do, you know, one of those is to get outside yourself. Um, seems to help me like to go talk to somebody, tell, you know, just go talk to somebody, tell them what's going on. Just go listen to their problems. Just get outside of what I'm dealing with. However, I can do that. You know, it might be go volunteer somewhere, you know, and like, I, I find that for me, like I need to get outside of my own head, um, and come back to it. If I, if I'm dealing with some stuff that's making me feel depressed. So I need to go deal with getting my emotions in check a little bit and then come back to the whatever's causing it and mm -hmm. work yeah i i mean i i've done therapy before when i was younger uh these days i journal you know i find that helps you know i'd be like don't read my journal <laughs> you know but have yeah you, have you ever uh burned any of the pages uh, well, it's all digital these days. Yeah. Uh, delete. <laughs> delete them. Yeah. <laughs> delete this. Delete that. Uh, yeah. So, uh, there, yeah. There's a, a, a thing out there where like a letter to somebody, you know, maybe that harmed you or did something, you know, bothered you and you have a hard time letting it go while well, taking that and physically burning it and letting it go, you know, has some power. And so mm. it's, a, it's a therapeutic process. So, mm. so physical journals can be good because maybe you have one day you need to let go. Yeah. Yeah. See, and then people have a, a problem with like when you're journaling it, they say it could bring up, uh, bring up those feelings again. Yeah. How do you deal with that? You're like, burn it. <laughs> burn it. <laughs> Well, if you never address the problems, the feelings never dissipate. So yeah, deal with it again and again until it becomes where it where you have less of a emotional response, we'll call it, from that situation. Um, there, there's a therapy out there for people to deal with uh, trauma called uh, called EMDR, uh, and that therapy 
what it does is it, it technically exposes the person to the situation and it numbs it, it does a process that numbs their uh, reaction to it and, and so it, it takes something from short-term memory and processes it into a long-term memory where it doesn't come up and be as powerful like and so there is therapy actually that does that so and what was the name of that again emdr and if I could actually tell you the name of it, I'd have to Google it and I'd have to move my phone. Oh, you're good. You're good. Because it's eye movement something regulation. Hmm. It, 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 it's really good. It, it, it helps people. And uh, you don't have to relive the trauma um, like you do in normal process therapy. So... Yeah. And that will be in the link too, in case you're wondering. It'll be in the link. Uh so I mean to to jump to jump right in it, uh you you've dealt with uh uh basically you were in a car crash where somebody died. Yeah, yeah, it was. Do you feel comfortable talking about that or is that something? Yeah. Could you could you uh just tell like the listeners about it? Yeah. So and, and this was this was before you were a therapist. Yeah, this is a long time before I was a therapist. Uh, so this is back in two thousand six, uh, December six, uh, and uh, yeah, I was driving. I was coming back from town, headed to the city. I guess technically Springfield's a city, but uh, headed there and um. I don't know exactly what happened. I don't have a memory of the situation, but I ended up hitting somebody and uh, the guy who was driving, you know, he, he died. And then uh, the woman, his wife was injured severely, you know, and uh, I was pretty mangled as well. My face was half of it was tore off and stuff. And, you know, I had a lot of physical limitations for a while. Um, and so definitely messed me up mentally. Uh, too you know and there was a lot there's a lot of things since then that has happened but yeah and the pro at the beginning that's kind of what happened you know it messed me up i didn't even want to see myself so hmm. and so uh your face because you said a chunk of your nose was ripped out yeah uh, piece of my bone which is weird but yeah and then your eye your pupil is still not the same right yeah the uh, more than uh, my other one and stuff and so yeah and uh you, you were in crutches correct uh i was on a, I, I call it an old man walker i wasn't on crutches i was on an old man walker the little with the little tennis balls on the bottom you know just chugging along on my little little my little wheel wheel thing i don't even know what they're called so but yeah, yeah. And uh, so really what kind of happened in this whole process, uh, you know, I was, I was doing, you know, I was doing drugs and stuff before and like, but in this process, like uh, a lot of things happened and like, I got really uh, lost, you could say. 
and and didn't really know wanted I didn't want to feel and so I just kind of ran from those feelings and I just started uh using more and more but in this time frame also people started asking me over and over what you know like what happened to me and uh and my face and stuff and so I just lived in this constant reminder of uh how like terrible of a thing I'd, I'd done you know and how, how it was just killing me um and I didn't know how to live with it and so I just I just ran and ran <clears throat> and eventually uh this is one thing I didn't really say to you you know like eventually the law caught up to me um with uh other things that I was doing you know and uh, lo and behold you know the government gets me and uh things start to change for me eventually you know after a couple of times so it was something that happened inside you that helped you change or yeah so so i started to realize um you know they were going to send me i thought they were going to send me to prison for a long time and i um so stopped doing drugs and i started to realize that i was i didn't like myself and i, I just couldn't live with feeling the way that i always felt and something had to change you know and so i had to come to this realization that i had to change me not mm -hmm. not everybody and how did you change? I mean, I, I understand like the drugs and stuff, but like, uh, did you read more books? Like, like, um... yeah, it's it's a it's a lot harder than than just oh yeah, magically I'm different one day, um, because yeah. uh, in in mental health they will tell you you know um, that you can if you change your behavior then the like you will start to change the way that you think and that is actually what cbt cognitive behavior therapy is developed out of this idea that if i do these behaviors my thoughts will start to change um and people figured this out way before cbt ever was invented um and you know those programs we talked about groups aa um they figured it out way before uh therapists did and um so this idea of I had to start acting in ways uh, who I wanted to be. And so I started doing things of a person I would want to be like. Um, and that might be holding the door open for somebody. That might be buying somebody lunch. That might be sitting with somebody random and just talking to them. That might be talking to the homeless man or giving them a hug. You know, whatever it is, just something little of who did I want to be. Um, and I would try to change those things about myself. And it, it was hard because I felt uncomfortable doing mm. it. Yeah. Mm. That's amazing. So, so how long did it take after the accident for you to uh, get back on track? Mm. So five years about um, is when I changed my life back to something better uh, or changed it from what I was doing, you know, living the crazy lifestyle. And uh, so when I was 25 and a half is kind of when things started to change. Um, so, but still, whenever I, I started to change, it still took a long time for me to um I would say really accept that I was the problem 
and it wasn't um like my morals and like things like that but it was just the way that i like thought and so i had to change how i was thinking and the only way to change how i think is to change what i do and so i started doing that and then uh how long until that like when did you get into like therapy so as a as a kid uh, i was gonna say as as a kid i always uh thought this like i wanted i i wanted somebody to help me and so i wanted to help somebody else um because i knew people struggled um i had a friend um commit suicide in eighth grade and like that really um got opened up my eyes to the idea of like you know people needing help and just like i do and and not getting it and uh the, the only thing that prevented me from doing it back then was probably the lifestyle i was living as a kid and the ideas that we instill in our youth at that when i was that age um a teenager um it, the idea that you can't have feelings as a man you know and so that kind of got me and stuck in this idea of i had to run from my feelings and I had to deal with them all by myself and I couldn't talk to anybody. And so how could I be a therapist, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and so, but now I realize sharing those emotions with people and telling people what's going on is the only way I can really survive in society. So I need that help. And did uh did anybody bring a AA to you, or is that just something like how did you get into that? So I I went to rehab uh in January of 2011, and uh, that's when I got introduced to the twelve step programs uh, for me, and so I started uh I went to a couple of AA programs um they were not for me. Uh, I'm a little crazier than some. And so I went to Narcotics Anonymous. And that has always been my place um, because I just fit in. Um, the way that I think is not like everybody else. And so it feels good when there's other people who think like I do. And uh, that common that common bond that we that I said at the beginning that groups bring us. Um, and so having that support, so. And like for AA, uh, what would you say, like, would keep you, like, kept you away from like AA lean? I mean, I understand like as the people, but like, were there any practices that you didn't like enjoy for the AA or is like, how is it different? No, it just the people. it was the people for me, but there are a lot of people, um, that, that, do have a hard time with AA because um, they use a little bit more of the word God. Um, and so that can be hard for people. Um, there, There's the higher power is really what they're talking about, but it was created so long ago. The wording is just that way. Um, God, you know, when it's made in the twenties, God is present in the, you know, in what we're talking about in those at that time. And so that's what keeps people from that a lot of times. But God is also good orderly direction. So you can always look at it like that. 
Yeah. And then uh, you you're telling me like, oh shit, camera. Hold on a second. <laughs> And then uh, you you were saying like uh, you were telling me a story about when you were walking into the uh, store and a lady said something to you. Could yeah. you uh, could could you yeah. go back to that story? That was right after like my car wreck, like whenever I got out of the hospital. And yeah, so just the concept of like how people don't think of other others, I guess, is really they don't have this record they don't care about other people they, they they're like what's going on with them we were talking about like i went to the store i my face was messed up i was on this walker i'm pretty sure i was in pajama pants and a t-shirt and we you know we went in and uh um she said that it looked like i had a rough day and like it just this is this is only a week after this accident you know me finding out that i killed this person and like how I just couldn't believe people talk to other people like that without any duration of what could have happened. You know, mm -hmm. as a society changing that idea, we don't look at what's on the outside. We, you know, we more of look at what's going on with a person, you know? Yeah. Some people suck. <laughs> They do yeah. they so you know and like through going through like depressions and stuff like um i know like there's not a lot of like outlooks to uh you know you oh you have therapy you have uh you could call like a hotline or something like the suicide hotline. Yeah. Uh, that's, you know, like I've, I had a friend who, uh, who would, and he would tell me experience with it, a couple experiences with it. And, uh, you know, they weren't the, the best. And uh, let me see. So, you, and then like therapy, if you were to tell them that you're going to kill yourself or you have, you know, whatever, they would lock you up. You know, that's a bit, uh, Kind of, not necessarily. It's a there, bit there turn are, off. <laughs> I, uh, it's not just because I want to harm myself. I, I could say I want to harm myself. That doesn't mean they're going to lock me up. If I have a plan and I have the means to do so, um, then that adds to the danger, and that's what leads to people getting locked up. But say I had a gun and I, you know, and I had a plan, well if I can figure out a way to do something with the gun and get it away from me, well, then I get the danger away. So I don't meet all three check boxes. And so as long as I don't meet all three check boxes, I'm fine. Um, I, there's actually the fourth one of how serious is it, you know, what, how real is the threat, but. And they would determine like the therapist would determine this. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Based on what their determination. Hmm. So. Because my thoughts on it were uh, that if you tell them anything like that, they lock you up. And I had a friend who was locked up for like uh, two, three weeks. And, you know, but I guess like the 
like that just like stops people from being 100 percent honest with like people it's like you know like some people need help but they can't like they're scared to even tell somebody you know but what it'll do though is put you on a check-in on them so every time you come in for a while they're gonna see how you're doing how are you feeling suicidal wise they're gonna check that box see where you're at and then go on to your normal session that's it, it, all it's really gonna do they're gonna just check up on you every session to make sure you're good once you're good then it'll become like once every few months they'll do that check-in probably and then like for like traumas and like depressions like what, what do you think causes that kind of stuff <laughs> wow what causes trauma and depression oh wow uh that is i uh, oh that's a big question <laughs> you know what causes trauma um you know well, you remember like, you remember that stuff but like you know you can't let it go you know it's like a, a memory and stuff like you know for like you it might be like a car accident and stuff and yeah so I, I i can't tell you exactly what depression is but i can give you an idea of what a professor told me one time about like a scale of why do people get certain things and other people don't that mm -hmm. they they said that we all there's a theory that we all have the probability of getting any of these mental illnesses but because of our genetics, some of us have a greater probability of getting depression or PTSD or um, anxiety, you know, uh, or schizophrenia even um, because of our genetics. And so because of this scale, depending on how stressful our life becomes, it will either stay below that threshold or we will cross it. You know, and if we cross it, then we have that mental illness, but we have a threshold for each mental illness. And so some people have multiple mental illnesses. So they've crossed thresholds for both of them or three of them, and they have to come back down off of those thresholds. And that's what we're, they try to do with medications is get them down and then work on things to keep them that way. So it, it's, it, we all have the probability of, anything happening to us and we going full on schizophrenic but how likely is it all will go that way not very because our genetics play a role in a lot of it so you know depression that's most likely family history of depression somewhere and you know you're just more prone to, to it to situations that happen in your life and that that's a weird thing too like uh prone to like oh if my dad was upset all the time and like depressed and then my mom was now you know I'm more prone to catching this basically disease yeah and it's like how do you avoid that kind of shit <laughs> you can't you can't well I guess they they do they do I guess but we we don't because they can see what's wrong with people before they have a baby if they find the gene that links it and so there is some of that out there, but I don't necessarily agree with that. Looking into seeing what will happen to that kid. Mm -hmm. And then like, uh, <clears throat> like uh, basically like magic mushrooms, they're using those 
for like therapy right now uh, to treat depression. I don't, I don't know. I haven't read anything on that since I haven't done any, uh, in substance abuse a couple of years. So I didn't, I haven't read a lot on any of that stuff. Well, yeah, they are, <laughs> you know, I think it could help, you know, just cause I mean, it's a new medicine basically. And if you're using it for medicine based, you know, then it's okay. If you're using it for, you know, recreational based, that's, it's a bit different. Uh, yeah. So what's the difference between medical and recreation? Yeah. That's the idea. Yeah. Who defines who's using it as a medical purpose and recreational purpose? Yeah. I think the difference is a therapist is there with you or some doctor will be there with you and they'll like monitor you. but And you'll, you'll be going on like a different type of guided journey kind of thing. Yeah. Compared you're to not, like if... Like if you're not doing it to get high, you're doing it to try to fix something. That's where we're talking about medicine, you know. And you got to ask yourself, why am I doing it? Mm -hmm. So... So basically, uh, like Narcotics Anonymous, that that helped save your life. Yeah, it saved my life. It transformed me. Uh, it gave me the tools to be able to do something different, you know. And so, like, that's the big, that's the big thing for me, like being able to change what I did, um, because I can't ever come back from, you know, taking another human's life. Like that's impossible. Um, the only thing I can do is move forward and try to do better things, you know, in my, that good orderly direction, what's the next right thing for me to do. Um, and so trying to live in that idea of what, what's next, the next right thing for me. And would you say like, uh, after the accident, you thought about it, like, would you think about it like every day? <laughs> I thought about it every day for oh probably eight years. I think it was the no, not eight years. Not every day for eight years. Sorry, every day for probably five years. I thought about it all, all constantly, probably for eight years. And I remember the one time I didn't think about it on the anniversary. And so that was around nine or 10 years. And I was like, holy moly, that means I'm starting to really let, let it go. Mm -hmm. Like, it just takes time. It just takes time. And like, I don't think about it very much at all now, like hardly ever. And so it's been a long time though. So, And if you had advice for somebody who went through the same thing that you went through, what would you tell them? Like what, what would be the most thing to like help them? Well, well I, I said I ran from it for the longest time too. So it took me almost 10 years to get to that point. Well, I ran for, from it for like five. So for five years, I wasn't doing anything to deal with it. So man, it may only took five years for me to deal with it, you know, and, um, but really the thing that really changed everything for me, if you were dealing with that was 
to come to the understanding that I can't change anything that I did in the past, but I can only do what I can today. And that what I'm doing right then, right now is what's defining me because the past doesn't matter anymore. What I do right now defines who I am. And that's what I would tell somebody like, and so what are you going to do right now? Because I can't ever bring that guy back. No way. No way. No matter what I ever try. But I can make other people's lives a little bit better. So. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's just, that's, I mean, that's how I have to live my life. Is there any other stories you got you want to talk stories. about? Types of stories, really. You know, I I would say, though, if I was, I had to I had to come to some acceptance that other things forgave me, other people forgave me, you know, too. Um, but the true forgiveness, I had to come to, like I had to forgive myself, and that was a journey. That was not the easiest thing, but it. But once I like accepted that other people could forgive me, I could start to let up on myself a little bit, you know, and uh, I think not being so hard on yourself is important. I know everybody says that, but I'm telling you, the harder you are on yourself, the harder it is to get over things. But I do feel that therapy is a very vital thing to to do. Um, I did a lot of this on my own, um, changing and working on things, but I, I went to therapy and was able to talk about my issues with people, um, because of what they said to me all the time, uh, when I was going through before surgeries and got some of the things fixed that really bothered me about my face, um, you know, and worked on all that stuff. And it was very helpful. It helped me deal with that stuff, going to groups one of the greatest things I ever did because it allowed me to be able to talk to people, you know, don't isolate yourself. You know, isolation leaves, leaves, leads to self-destruction. That's the only thing I can tell you. Hmm. And anybody that's depressed and alone right now, they know, they know they're feeling destroyed and they need people. Mm-hmm you sometimes have to reach out for those people. Yeah. You got to check on your friends. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm feeling down, it's my responsibility to help myself. Yeah. There's a lot of people that like these kind of podcasts because they, you know, come across them on accident and stuff. And I've had like compliment compliments about it. Like, you know, I was like, yeah, it's a little down and stuff, but they're like, no, that, that, that podcast actually helped me. You know, I, I could relate, you know, well, the greatest kind. not down because my life is so amazing now compared to where I was. You know, the end of the story is 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 all that matters. You know, the journey, what gets us to the end. You know, mm-hmm. and I have went through things that have changed me, but I tell you right now, like it without going through those things, I wouldn't understand the things that I do, and I wouldn't even be able to talk to people 
um, that have dealt with some of the stuff I have, you know, in my life. So since, since 2011, I've talked to six people who have done, uh, gotten a car wreck and killed somebody and was able to kind of share my experience with dealing with that. And, you know, hopefully that helped them. And that's all I got is I hope I helped them. And your journey, whatever your journey is, it can help somebody, you know. I know it can. Yeah. I know this conversation is going to help somebody. Yeah. That's why I do it. <laughs> it's good. That's good, yeah. I mean, that's what we're here for. That's why I did it, you know, to help people. All right. I guess we could wrap this up. It's been my pleasure talking to you. Uh, your story was amazing. I really appreciate the openness. And uh, yeah, it's been my pleasure. Good talk to you. Yep, yep. Thank you for coming on. Don't hang up though. I was. <laughs> <laughs>